NotFest.com presents Talk To Me. With over 300 interviews under his belt and six years running, your host Joshua Toomey interviews metal and rock's heaviest hitters. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Here's your host, Joshua Toomey. Alright guys, let's welcome uh, Levi Benton from Miss May I to the Talk To Me podcast here at NotFest.com. Levi, how are we today? I'm awesome. Awesome. So before we dive into it, I do want to dive into one thing first. Are you in this house? I, I did one last Google search before the interview. And so is this the Mexican restaurant house that you bought that you're in yes. today? Yeah, this is the, this was like some abandoned room that was upstairs. And now it's my, my man cave office. So. So I was reading the story and I guess what you, you know, you found a piece of commercial property that was once like a Mexican restaurant, but also has like tons of history. And it's been in the, the Newport, uh, Newport, Kentucky. Is that where that's at? Yep. Newport, Kentucky area, a suburb of like Cincinnati, basically. And, um, uh, you know, you, you guys buy it and renovating it and stuff, man. So, so tell me about this house before we dive too much into it, because I'm so intrigued by the story. Yeah, it's my baby. So you better watch out. You're going to open up Pandora's <laughs> box, man. Uh, but yeah, so we um, we were planning to have um, our child, which we have had now. Um, but we were, and we lived in California at the time, and we're from Cincinnati or from Ohio, Kentucky. My wife's from Kentucky. I'm from Ohio, since he's the middle point. And um, we wanted to move back here, and we were sort of downtown, and all the suburbs are completely like every ounce is taken up. So there right. was like we just kept looking further and further, and then there was this one building in the middle of the city that sat for like a year, and it, the roof was caved in all this stuff. And, um, I found it prowling through, I looked through all the, um, I was a real estate agent on the side as a hustle in um, nice. LA. And, uh, so I knew where to look and I just kept looking. I looked through a commercial thing and I found this property while we were in California. And I was like, man, this would be so cool. It needs a lot of work. And then it was commercial. And I was like, well, I think it used to be a house. And I looked up the zoning and I called the city while I was in LA and they just rezoned it over the phone in like three minutes. And I was like, <laughs> wow. Jojo, I'm like, I told my wife, I was like, I think we should like, we should try this. Obviously I've never done anything like this. I thought it would take three months. I'm like on year three right now. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's kicked my butt, but, um, <laughs> it's been the best thing I've ever, it's been the best experience I've ever had. You, you kind of got it like kind of at, at the beginning of COVID. So I'm assuming it just kind of helped kind of get through all of that for for you i'm assuming oh my gosh it was yeah COVID happening obviously it's horrible but it was also like the biggest right. blessing because like tour was coming up my baby was just born i'm like oh my gosh i have so much going on and then the world stopped so i got to spend time with my daughter and then i'm like oh i have more than enough time to work on this house so i really got <laughs> to like be here and help see it through and finish it instead of like doing some facetimes and being like don't move that this is broken don't touch that <laughs> so it was nice to be here and and the the history of the place i guess mexican restaurant but also like you know catered to the brass ass which is the greatest name for i'm assuming a strip club <laughs> um you know it had a pet cougar in the house and, and so much so much just stuff going on in the house yeah it was crazy it um the the cool thing with the story you're talking about too is this uh this lady her name was sylvia um she's still alive she's in her 80s now but um yeah she was catering to the local brothels and strip clubs in the late seventies, early eighties, the, the town Newport had some dark history because it's mm-hmm. like where, um, 
it's basically where Vegas came from. All the mobsters and casinos were here uh, from New York because that's as far as planes could fly at the time. So they came to Newport. And then when aviation got better, they went to Vegas. Um, but uh, yeah, so there was, there was some of that mobster strip club um, brothel things happening, uh, fading out in the 70s and 80s. Uh, and then, yeah, she... She was catering for those. And then the strip clubs were like, this is so good. We're going to get you a restaurant. And um, she started a little restaurant, worked her way up and like to buy this house. And she rezoned it and made it. Um, I think it was an 83. She made it a restaurant, uh, but she bought it from a brothel. So before she, when she bought it, it was all the rooms were like sectioned off rooms and it was a brothel for who knows how long. The, the one mystery of the house is all the paperwork stops in 1964. The house was oh, built wow. in 1890, 1891, and then it just stops. Like from 1891 to 1964, everything's been deleted by someone somewhere. Um, so I can't find anything, but we we're finding slow <laughs> stories. Uh, but she got to come see it. She came and found us. The, the oh, city nice. of Cincinnati did an article on us, and there was a lot of buzz, and she heard about it. And so she got to – and then I got to learn more about it. Like um, when I was doing the basement – the basement's really low ceiling. It's like old, old, like cellar basement. Um, and there's random showers and toilet hookups, but multiple ones down there. And I'm like, what the hell is happening? Like, what is going on down here? <laughs> and um, so Sylvia was an immigrant, and we found out um, through the 80s and 90s, on the weekend, she would take her church van, go to Mexico, fill it up with people. This is obviously pre the border being as crazy yeah, as yeah, now, yeah. but, and she's driving back to Newport and she would house them in the basement and get them like get their feet, like get them a whole new life. And then she just did that for decades. So like I come to find out like all the plumbing we were taking out of the basement. It was like, there was, she said there was up to like 15 people living in the basement, like during the restaurant at the, at a time. Yeah. It's crazy. <laughs> Are you into supernatural at all? Like, is the house? Do you, do you feel the house alive or anything like that? Do you, are you feel any of that stuff running around? No, I am a guy who like I'm definitely a scared of the dark, scared of spider guy, and my <laughs> right? wife is definitely a scared of supernatural stuff. But I think because I literally ripped this place to its bones, mm -hmm. and I've seen every nook and cranny to the furthest point, I think it's made me not scared. Because I during the demo and all that, and ripping every single thing out of here, um, I didn't see any like knock on wood spiders or creatures or anything <laughs> right. crazy, which was crazy uh, because if I like would leave the house, I'd see stuff. So it, I think that makes me feel a lot more at home and safe that I know, like I know what's behind all of these walls. Cause I re put, there's no um, stone that's been unturned in here. Nice. Um, getting into the, uh, we'll get into music. I promise. <laughs> but getting into like the, the real estate world in, in California, man, how that has to be just insane because one of my favorite things to look on TikTok and watch on TikTok is like, like listings in LA for these houses. Like my house now in LA is probably a $2 million house that we, you know, got for a fraction of that here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, that's like, it, it was definitely crazy. I didn't get into it really for the money as much as I got into it. Just, it was a passion of mine. I just mm -hmm. think real estate's so interesting and just, um, and I think it's because I came from a family, like no one in my family's owned property. So right. like we've just been renters and it's like, it's like history of just renters. Um, so to like learn, Oh, you can own property. You can do all this. Like that was interesting to me. And then, um, yeah, being in LA, it was, it would be weird. Cause like I'd be showing this house that would be like, yeah, two or three million dollars. I'm like, this is crazy. And then it would be like a YouTube gamer guy, like in his sweats and flip flops, who's like 19 looking at it. And I'm just like, what? 
what is happening? It was like, it was like the simulation was, I was just like, this is crazy. It was, but it was always that scenario. It was never like a mogul or anything. It was like, oh, I'm like, you're the, you're the person checking this house out. I'm like, cool. I'm like, it's $3 million. Here's your Italian stone tub. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know what, this is wild. It's so bougie, but, um, it was cool. It's uh, definitely showed me a lot. And I learned a lot and it, it was all steps to like one of my like back here dreams, like things that I'm mm-hmm. working on is like, I, I, uh, I would love to like just own a lot of real estate and like, I love the the design of it because I've always been a designer for like Miss May I and I do web design. I do, I'm a developer yeah. and all that stuff, but it's such a, it's a whole new um, just canvas for you to like be an artist. And, that's what I love. Cause I'm like, nobody's even looking at it as art and I'm just having a blast, like being like, what if the door was at an angle and a little weird? Like I've never seen that before. Let's do that. So, yeah. Well, I, I think like over the years in my jobs, you know, when I've worked at a job where, you know, the end product really isn't, you don't see the end product, you know, it's more of a, uh, you know, I did like call center type stuff, things like that that you don't see visually. But anytime I've done any kind of manual labor where, you know, you you start with a pile of stuff and at the end there's something to show for it. Like those are the most fulfilling jobs. And I'm thinking, you know, which is hearing you talk about that with the web design side of you and then also this home renovation side of you. I think you've kind of got that brain, too, where you kind of want to see the the end, end product. Oh, yeah. And I'm ruthless. I will <laughs> not sleep for day. I will destroy my body to see the end result just because like. I, that's what keeps me going. I'm just like, I have to see it through. Like I can't just start it. And I think that's why we took on this big project uh, because everyone in the city, all our family, all our close friends, everyone's like, it's too crazy. Don't do it. It's such a mess. And I'm like, now I have to do it because you guys said I couldn't like, you guys think it's too crazy. So I have to do it now to prove everybody that I could do it. <laughs> I was like, I got to do it. So it's funny you talk about that until a couple of years ago. Like I, we, you know, we bought, we finally bought a house and then like, God, our credit score is right. And now I'm like, oh, this it was and it was easy. It wasn't it wasn't like this difficult task. And, and yeah. you're like, oh, this is how credit works. And this is how mortgages work. You know, it's like it wasn't this unattainable goal, which, you know, I think my family sounds very similar to your family to where that just seems crazy. You know, you just rent your whole life and, and you don't have things. But, you know, once you kind of take control of some of that stuff you and figure it out the end result, you know, is, is a a much easier life. Yeah. And honestly, just to rewind a bit, that's like, that is why I really dove into getting my real estate license was once I was passionate about it. But once I like did the schooling and was like really learning all I wanted to do, because just coming from entertainment and knowing the community, I know it all seems like a pipe dream and impossible. But when I learned, when I was learning, I was like, I have to tell everybody that it's not like, I just wanted to have my license so I could tell everybody, hey, it's not as scary and impossible as you think it is. Like, and there's a million ways to approach it. It doesn't have to, because if you Google buying a house, it's like people think it's like these three steps, but there's like so many scenarios and <laughs> right. like ways you can approach. It. And that's like, that's what I wanted to do. And that's what I do with friends now. I have friends call me all the time, like, hey, I have this crazy idea. How could I do this? And I was like, okay, there's, there's like six different options you could go for. Like, just to tell right. them, and it, like you said, it's just not scary. And I think the more people are, knowledgeable about it the the better it could be because what happens is i feel like people are so scared and um aren't knowledgeable and then because of that they get taken advantage advantage of and all these like huge investors are just like they know the game and they just right. play all day 
<laughs> yeah, it definitely helped that our mortgage guy was one of my former drummers. So, oh, that's awesome. And, and yeah. like he was able, he was able to. Uh, many a time he would call me with those like, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but uh, since you're my friend, I'm going to tell you this. Like, this is what you need to do kind of stuff. Like, yeah, but it was good times. Uh, well, let's dive into a uh, new album, Curse of Existence out September 2nd, Sharp Tone Records. I, I have to say, like, I, I've been I've been getting ready for an upcoming show, been doing the treadmill stuff to the album. And like every day, I'm just like, I'm going to walk 30 minutes and just just to get like the cardio back up. And every time Earthshaker comes up, I'm just like pushing those, pushing the speed yes. up and just going, man. It is, <laughs> and it's not even a cliche. Like if you want to work out to this record, like this is your new workout record. It just happens. It's crazy. That's awesome. I appreciate it. This is our first record we've released without like, I don't know how to say it properly, but like a not experimental song or like a ballad within the album. We've always like tried to do that because I think it was just where we were at in our careers. Um, this one though, it was fun to go into it because we're like, yeah, let's just let's just have it turn to eleven from the beginning to the end. So, yeah, and it's it was great for us to play because now I don't because those ballads. Long story short, like when you put those on albums, they're so fun and they're like it's fun to be creative in the studio, but you're never. It's so hard to bring that to the live show. So it's like it's always just like a wasted four minutes on the album to where you're like, <laughs> we could have put a shredder right there <laughs> yeah i mean it, like from from song one to song you know the, the last song in the record it is a it is a complete banger of a record thank you man i means a lot appreciate it um few notes i have obviously you know earth shaker incredible uh bleed together man that chorus when what is that ryan on the cleans there mm -hmm. dude every time it kicks in like that is a that is an earworm and <laughs> stuck in my head like the last few days just just keep going back to it man it's crazy that's awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, he, he really got to dive in. It was our first time with the producer, um, Will Putney. Right. So it was really fun to like work on melodies in a different perspective. I feel, feel like every time we work with a new producer, it just broadens our perspective on like how to approach songs. And he had a completely different route. So it was, it was really cool. Yeah. Will's been a guest on the show. Um, talking about his band and whatnot, um, kind of talk about working with Will a little bit. Cause you know, those producer episodes that I do are always, people love hearing that side of the music industry and just, uh, just kind of talk a little bit about, you know, working with them. Was this a, was this a pandemic record? Was this something you guys recorded during the before, after during, you know, the, uh, the lockdowns? Yeah. So it was a lockdown pandemic record, which definitely didn't make it easier. Um, we did do a hybrid record though. Like we've done, I think Shadows Inside was the only other one we did like this. So we did the instruments with um, Nick Sampson in Michigan. And then we do all the vocals and final production and drums with um, Will Putney. So like we've been okay. to work. That's been like one of our, I guess, things we just, it's it's just been so nice when we separate the instruments and vocals because it's just, they're completely different um, and different approaches. And I feel like producers will have like, and and I feel like if they're, if they're self-aware and transparent enough, they'll tell you what their favorite is. And that's like what we go and ask for when we do albums. Like, do you want to be the vocal guy? Like, do you love, and Will was like vocals, lyrics. That's like my jam. So, and we've never went with Will. We've, we actually, when we did at heart in 2012 or 2011 and 12, he was um, working on the first floor at the machine shop. So he was like the young Padawan of machine at the time. <laughs> and right. now 10 years later, he's freaking juggernaut Will Putney. Um, and so that was, that was like sort of where the relationship started. Um, and yeah, we've always wanted to do an album with him. This, it finally worked out and, uh, it, it was cool working with him because 
we got to work in his new studio, which is so baller and crazy <laughs> up in New Jersey, like in the, it was in the woods. It's like, it was a nice seclusion because at this time doing this album, everyone was like, we were the low, we were in the dumps. Like it was hard to even get us to the studio because we didn't want to do anything. And I think everyone was like that during lockdown. Everyone was just pissed off and like confused. Um, and that's, that's exactly where we were, but going out there was like sort of like a therapeutic retreat. And then, um, working with Will was cool because he's very blunt, which, um, we like that, especially further in our career. Like you don't want everyone just saying what you want to hear. You want like the, the truth. Um, <laughs> and since I came to him in the dumps, like the lyric, like first day I was showing him lyrics and I'm like, here's like where we're at. And he was like, this isn't you guys. Like you're, this is too, like this, it was just so negative that we've always been a positive band with like a positive resolution. Even if it came from a negative point, there was, there was always like an, an outcome that's positive. And I couldn't find that. So I just finished the songs without that. And Will's like, this isn't what people want to hear. Like you, you, this isn't you guys. Like you need to, you're here now. You're not in this place anymore. Like work on, go work, go rewrite it or we, we workshop it. And um, yeah, and that, that alone was like the best therapy I've almost ever had because I had to go back with this list of all these like pissed off songs and um, <laughs> just think of what Will said. And like, then I had to deal with them myself because I had to go through what I was writing about and then think about where I was now and the perspective change. And that was like so therapeutic on top of being up in the mountains and being with Will. And then me and Ryan getting the bro down. Cause that was the other thing is we didn't get to see each other as a band, which we've seen each other for a decade straight and being back in the studio together was like, it was definitely such a relief when we got to see everybody again. Now working with Ryan, are you are you guys collaborating on lyrics or are you like writing the song and saying, hey, this is the chorus. I need you to sing your ass off in this part for me so I can, you know, come back and scream over you and things like that. Are, how, how how does that uh, that, you know, you guys work together? That's how, how so how you how you just explained it. That's how it has been on like a past few albums or like since Ryan or since the beginning of the band. And um this time around, though, and I think it, it sort of happened on our last album, Shadows Inside, he was dipping his toes in, like, writing some more and really wanting to say, like, what he wanted to say. And then this time around was really cool because um, I would just stop when it got to the chorus. Or I would just, like, I'd, like, give him some ideas or I'd stop and then let him sort of ingest what the song's about and take his perspective. So it's, it's cool to have, like, the both the two um visions on it but then the other cool thing for this album which we haven't had is um well i take that back on shadows inside a little sprinkled in there a little bit um but this one was a lot more uh ryan like came in with his own song so we wanted to do that like we wanted him to write um some songs and it wasn't even that we like it was a task it was almost he was like i have i want to say this on the album like where can i say this and it was just like okay because he was going through his own thing and things and um not that the other guys in the band weren't like we definitely, this album is a very collaborative voice because we all were going through um, a lot of what the album's about. We all like could relate independently on, um, but yeah, Ryan wanted some things to say. And then uh, I, it was cool to have him come out. And then I got to sort of do the flip. Like he would have the choruses and like the, the idea. And then I would have to write, the verses nice. and breakdown and he, the course would already be there. So it was cool to like approach it sort of backwards. Um, but yeah, it's, 
It was awesome. And there's like a lot of new vocal techniques on this that we were just sprinkling that stuff that we wanted to do for years and will how his setup was, we got to really do it. Cause how the setup was, was there was a whole vocal, like train or not. There was like a vocal writing room separate okay. from the rest of the house. Nice. So I could like stay in there all night and just try weird stuff. Like, and I couldn't be embarrassed cause no one's listening to me. I could just have this whole <laughs> studio. Will showed me how to use it and I would hit record and I would just like, riff out some ideas and the next morning they're like okay let's listen to what we wrote and i'm like don't judge me i'm like i did some weird stuff and then we'd be like oh this is cool okay let's try this so i think having that um flexibility really gave me the opportunity to try some new things Uh, so how did you how did you go back to the lyrics and and try to take a positive spin on obviously everybody's down in the dumps you know, I, and you also just, I think a lot of people that have come on here, I mean, you also don't want to write the COVID record. You don't want to write, you know, the pandemic record and the, the anti-shot record or the pro vaccine record. You know, you don't, you don't want to time capsule it that much. So, I mean, how did you kind of go back and, and really, uh, you know, kind of take a positive spin on everything? That was definitely the hardest. That, yeah, yes. Not writing the COVID album because like, that's all you're surrounded by and thinking. And at the time when you're writing it in the middle of lockdown, you don't know when the album's going to come out. It could be 10 more years. Like who knows what's going on. Um, But so the first song um, was unconquered, which before it was called unconquered, it was called red rope. So this was, this was the one that set the tone. So that was, this was the first one I came to Wilkes. I was like, this one's locked in. It's ready to go. Let's like shoot this out. And when it was called red rope, it was about suicide, a real suicide thing that happened uh, to us during the pandemic um, and it was like very morbid, but it was just a, it was a truthful song. And obviously that person did not commit suicide, um, but went to like the edge. And so that was like how the first perspective changed. He's like, yeah, but this didn't happen. Like you, you guys survived this. Like that didn't, it didn't, the follow through didn't happen. So like you, that that's the resolution. So then that's where Unconquered came from. We're like, oh, you're right. Like maybe, and that's where the the light went off in our head. We're like, that's, that's how we need to be seeing it. It's like, we're here now. Like we did all this stuff is true. We did go through all of this, but we're here in the studio. Now we made it through. That's the perspective we need to come at it with. And that we just couldn't see that until Will really was like shaking us. Like you're here now though. Like it's not, it's over. You know what I mean? Like the nightmare is over and you're like, Oh, okay. And then like that, like woke us up. And then right when that light flipped and I think Unconquer was the first one we rewrote. Um, no, I take, yeah, that was the the biggest rewrite. Um, and once we did that and got to hear the f- new final version, we're like, Oh, okay. Like now we hear what you guys were talking about. Cause from the band's point of view, it's like, we're so inve- like deep and invested into it. Like you can't hear outside voices until someone tells you. So, um, and this was the first album. I don't know if anybody, how much people really know this, but so this album, we finished it, packed our bags, left wills, and it, uh, sent it to that label and everything. And this was still like, we did some of the rewriting, but like, will let us have some freedom too. And then like the label management, everybody was like, you got to go back and like, this isn't what people want to hear. And like, it, but like, so it pissed us off. But then I understand, I'm like, what are you talking about? And I went back and like, when we did the big rewrites, we're like, Oh, like, there's where Miss May I is. Like we were, that's what I'm saying is like, we, that's how much in the dumps. That's why I'm so happy this out for this album to come out. Cause it's like, it's so truthful 
And we were so in the dumps, like that people, like the label management, like everyone was like shaking us out of this like depressive <laughs> state that we were in. And uh, yeah, they shook it all off and we're here now. So how, how tough is that for you to take as, as the artist? Because you know, you're know you getting so much pushback from everybody. And, and how do you not just be like, no, this is Miss May I now. And this is what we are doing. And you will put, you know putting your putting your foot down and not necessarily taking the the direction from the from the label management will putney everybody kind of coming at you guys and not putting your guard up and saying no this is what we're doing yeah it was um at first because this is our seventh album and this yeah. has never ever ever happened so like the last six albums that's never happened it was just like we finish it package Record, it up hand it press in. it yeah it's <laughs> over i think the reason that Obviously, like I said, we were upset at first, but I think the reason we really made it like under, listen to what they were saying was because it wasn't they weren't coming at us as at a sound and musicianship way. They were coming. It was all about the energy of the album. Okay. It was just like like listen to what you're saying. Like listen to what the songs are about. Like this isn't this isn't you guys. Like we're not that. I, people don't listen to Miss May I and it pisses them off. And that's like, the, like it's like an inspirational metal band. And that's like what we've always wanted to do, but it was just really hard to find on this album. So. Okay. Well, at least it weren't coming back with you and like trying to be like, now listen to shine down. Now, can you do that? Oh yeah. <laughs> no, like we've had were... those, like we've had those talks <laughs> way down back in the past, but yeah, this was, everyone's like, it was like, yeah, everyone's like, we love the songs because like structurally and instrumentals didn't change. It was it was honestly all on my end. Um, but yeah, it was all just energy stuff. Like, and I'm like listening to the melodies and stuff. I'm like, this is a good, like the like I performed good, like the melodies there. I'm like, what are they talking about? It it really did take like weeks for me to just understand what people were trying to say. And right. like at that time though, like I said, I was like, I was like a skeleton. I was so just like Cause I had this going on. I had just normal pandemic stuff, new dad. Like it was just a lot of storm happening. And then it's like, Hey, do this album. So I was just like, fuck you, <laughs> fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. I was just so pissed off and it sounded pissed, but it sounded so pissed that they're like, this isn't what Miss May I is. Right. So. How, how often do you walk around and, and maybe a line comes to you or, you know, maybe you said you jot down something or like, man, if I could just scream this to a crowd, like music drops out, I scream this. Like how, how, how often are you doing that? Do you have a notes app? Do you write it down on a piece of paper? You're like, Ooh, that'd be an awesome line. You know, you hear something or you read something. You're like, Ooh, taking that. Yeah. That's like my riff bank. So the guy, we call them like riff banks. So we have this drop box of just, so the guys will write like a verse riff or breakdown riff. My version is what you just said. Like, I'll have this cool like pick call or like two lines that I don't know what the hell they mean. Right. But I'm like, this is sick. And I usually send like a voice memo and I have it attached to like a notes, but um, you need to yeah, release that have- one day. <laughs> just, just you like screaming into your phone. <laughs> <laughs> the funniest ones are when I write a riff that I hear mm. and I have to like, I don't know how to play guitar. So I just sing it what I think it sounds like to the guys. And those ones are the ridiculous ones. Cause it's like, dun, 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 and there's, and then they, I'm just happy that my dudes understand where I'm coming from. And they don't like rip me apart and make fun of me. They're just like, Oh, I hear what you mean. And then 30 minutes yeah. later, they'll send me the track. And I'm like, yeah, that's what I heard. That's the riff. 
yeah, that that unspoken language between like the band and the drummer, and you know, I don't want it to go do 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 cat. I want a cat to do do. You know, <laughs> yeah, like, oh, yeah, like this. You're over there pointing, and you know, all this other stuff, man. I, I you know, the band dynamics is always fun when you when you dive into it. Yeah, no outsider could understand that language. I feel like it's only like it's per <laughs> band; they each have their own little language. Nice, uh, upcoming tour with uh, Currents, Kingdom of Giants, and Landmarks. Man, start and you'll be on tour when the album comes out, which is actually the album comes out very quickly, like we said, September second. So, um, kind of talk about kind of getting back out on the road. I know you've toured a little bit since the pandemic, so just just how has it been? You know, are fearful anything like that? Or are you just just jumping right into it? We're, it's it's been awesome we we've done one tour since the pandemic um we went out with all the remains it was like the longest tour we've done too which is like we're crazy for taking the <laughs> longest tour for our first tour back but it honestly it felt so fast which means we were having the time of our lives out there um which we missed uh yeah that was 10 weeks we the coolest thing right now is like the perspective change that we've had since since the pandemic not that so i'm saying it from the point of like it's not that we were like jaded or took it for granted but like we appreciate it like we've already appreciated our career but now we appreciate it so much more because it's such a cool thing even just being in this world or this community it's such a blessing and such a cool thing that um yeah i we really missed it when it was gone so going back out on tour um just seeing the guys and seeing the crowd just seeing that so many people happy and letting loose again like that's like that's why we do it so it just feels so good to be at, back out and then the other thing is like we tour differently now like we and i think this is comes with a perspective change it's like a lot of these venues we've been doing it for so long it's like the 15th time 12th time we've played the <laughs> venue and we would like usually just show up do the same thing but now we go to the venues and we're like or we go to these cities that we've been to 20 whatever times and now we're like let's go this way or here's i heard there's this national park or this museum like it's completely changed it makes us sound like old guys and like dads but we are (laughs) just old dads now and we bring the family out now so like this last tour um it was 10 weeks and for four of the weeks i had like my toddler and wife out and then this next tour is another toddler and wife coming out and like that was something that i feel like if if the pandemic wouldn't have happened and like we got this break and like the perspectives change, I don't know how smooth that would have went, but now it's so much smoother and it's, and I honestly think that's going to keep our band just alive for decades more to come because we're like, if we're going to do this, we appreciate it differently. And the families are coming with, like, we don't want the the band to hinder our lives. We want them to like live together. Right. And I think, the fans see that too and respect it. And the other cool thing is um, like all the remains have been around forever. It was their 15th anniversary of their um, fall of ideals album. And a band that's been around longer than we have, they thought it was cool what we were doing and like innovative and like it inspired them to be like, well, maybe we could bring our kids out. Maybe this doesn't have to be like so stressful of like trying to do the band and have lives and just, um, keep growing it was it it was it was so cool because yeah we were definitely testing the waters but it has went like tenfold the coolest thing we've done and if some people don't agree with it some people don't want us to like that's fine but this is like we're just it's honestly like a family reunion and then we get to play a show at nine o'clock right (laughs) so there's no pushback from anybody in the band it's like 
like I'm out here to drink and have fun and party and you know whatever with at, at the end of the show all that stuff and I don't want kids around and wives and all that stuff you know yeah, I think I think there would have been that if the pandemic didn't happen right because we were just if you think about it we were we went on tour the week after we graduated and we've never really stopped like we'll go home for a month here or there or we'll mm-hmm. do an album but like it was we never had a break the only break was like you got to go back switch out equipment get new production go on the next tour it was like there's not like a it wasn't a break it was so i think having the break and having like life settle in and where we are and like what we get to do i think i think that helped make this possible i think if it was just like hey kids here guys uh same <laughs> shows but I'm, we're just adding some more people on the bus and it's like i think that would have been a mess but everyone came back to the touring world and not just our band i think everybody um even like newer younger bands the just knowing that could be taken away everyone it's such a precious thing now it's not just like oh we're playing a show at this venue it's like there was a world where we didn't do this like and it sucked like we have to this is really cool that we get to do this because we know the other side and i feel like we always talk about this like it'll obviously be a lifetime from now but it's gonna be a such a bummer when like the pandemic people that have lived through it are like all dead and gone because like we all i feel like the whole world has a different appreciation because it's like hey this is so fragile (laughs) like it, it could all stop uh kind of wrapping up on on a few things man you were talking about you know going on tour right out of high school do you look back on any of the early stuff and read the lyrics and or you see even have to sing some of those lyrics that you wrote as a as a as a teenager and you're like oh man what was i thinking at the time you know anything like that sometimes uh or i'm like i would have said that better or i would have like a lot of it is just um yeah you know another thing is though i love like that person that wrote those lyrics like that version of me it's it's cool to read back on those sometimes and play those songs uh because i can't like channel that person anymore it's like i've grown so much i'm like it's cool to like revisit my old self you know (laughs) what i mean i'm like oh i like i know what i was saying and i understand where it was coming from but like if i even like dig deep in like i can't find that person anymore and it's not a bad thing it's just i'm like I'm this Levi now. And uh, so it's, it's cool. It's sort of like a nostalgic, like I'm happy. We don't have any, uh, we definitely have some pop goes punks that are floating around somewhere on the internet, but those are (laughs) haunting us. But other than that, actually, you know, I think I just bought that. I bought that at the Goodwill the other day. Uh, (laughs) What what song did you guys do on the early one? Um, We did run this town. Yeah. 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 And then we did swing. Swing was our, like, that's what we got a record deal on, but that was, that was MySpace and pre Pop Goes Punk. That was right. like viral before viral was a real term. It was like MySpace was out, and we're like, "What if we did this?" And then the internet went crazy, and we're like, <laughs> "That was." And then yeah, so we did it before it, it was an algorithm. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. Good old MySpace viral, <laughs> dude. You know, not that I would ever change it, but I just think of like man, we really didn't know how to monetize. Like it, everything wasn't monetized and everything right. was so huge. I'm like, we really miss that. Our lives would be way different if we could have monetized <laughs> well, like back in the day, but it's okay. Like that's, that's part of the, the charm and the phenomenon of like what that led to the internet. So. Yeah, there was nothing better than on MySpace, like posting the bulletin of tour dates coming up, you know, and like just, just getting that instant gratification of, of, of bulletins. 
Yeah, and there was no like, yeah, there's no paywalls. Nobody wanted to make money. No ads were there. It was just, it was so innocent. It was just like, hey, we can all communicate. And like, it was such a good time to be alive. Like it was so, I remember we were the first band on Rise to hit a million likes on Facebook. And this was before Facebook had ads. And like, we would post something and there would be 40,000, 50,000 comments because mm -hmm. a million people would see it. And you're just like, and then, like, I re I seriously remember the day we were in the studio doing Monument, and then ads started rolling out on Facebook, and, like, I went to do a post, and it was, like, $2,500 at that time to show everybody. And I was just like, what is happening? Like, I can't even <laughs> post? And then that was just, like, the tip of the iceberg to 10 years later where we are now. It's just, like, I can't – it's hard. It's crazy. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird what what gets views and what doesn't get views on every platform. You're just like, you'll make a joke about spaghetti and get, uh, you know, three hundred comments and likes, and then you post about the new album and it's crickets. It's like it's so it's it's crazy how all that works. None of that was there. Yeah, it used to just be like you would even stay up to post at the right time. Like it was like it was all just real people. There was no like AI or stuff messing around and moving stuff around yeah it was great we used to do when we did monument uh and apologies for the week um so this is at the time like i said pre-monetization everyone got to see your stuff we would like and we were broke teenagers we'd be like here's the address of the studio order us pizza and there'd be like pizza guys like lined up at the thing and then nice. like we get called from the pizza shops like i don't know who you guys are but you need to stop because our phone's ringing off the hook <laughs> and i'm like sorry i just told a million people to buy us pizza <laughs> <laughs> you, tr you should try that again you know oh, i see who knows they don't only 20 people might see the post <laughs> yeah but i, mean, I might only need, get one pizza that's you don't need 20 pizzas you only need one <laughs> <laughs> that's true. well man uh levi this has been fantastic uh like we said new album september 2nd uh curse of existence sharp tone records and the new tour with currents kingdom of giants landmarks actually starts goes out uh, september 1st and uh so make sure to check out miss may i when they come to your town i think the last time i saw you guys was like on a warp tour like 10 years ago so oh man <laughs> you gotta come back out man no I facial know. hair has came since i've seen you but uh yeah, hopefully mine mine did mine came through somehow <laughs> <laughs> but levi man it's always great to have you on the show and uh once again thanks for taking some time here talk to me podcast not fast.com the Talk To Me Podcast, presented by NotFest.com. Follow the show at Talk To Me Talk. Be sure to subscribe, rate the podcast, and leave a review on your favorite podcast app to get the latest from the Talk To Me Podcast.